Hi, welcome to The Church Split. My name is Will, and today we are hitting our part three of our Christian and Black Lives Matter series. Now, a couple things to note up front, up front. Please like and sub to the channel and share it with your friends. We are growing actually rapidly now, and we would like to continue that. The other thing is, is I do want to mention the fact that I do have a lot of notes, so you're going to see me staring at my iPad a lot, and for that I apologize. I just don't want to misquote anything. So anyway, today I want to talk about the movement. I don't want to waste a lot of time because I have a lot of, a lot of ground to cover. So first off, we need to talk about the movement itself. So we talked about the moral, right? Black lives absolutely matter. Then we talked about the institution of Black Lives Matter, and they actually recently removed their What We Believe page off of their website that we pulled from for uh, our, our part two video. So I'm glad I shot it when I did. And this part is, the, the now we're at the movement itself. This is by far the most complicated part of the this conversation is, is the movement. So th those who are in the movement are those who maybe participated in Blackout Tuesday where they changed their profile pictures. Um, they might have BLM on their statuses or the, they're wearing We Can't Breathe t-shirts or have signs in their yard about racial disparity and all these things. What many people get wrong though when we're talking about Black Lives Matter or the disparity situations or, and whatnot is that they miss the boat when it comes to culture. So when it comes to culture, things are just different. We see that we, everyone equates race with, with culture. They equate race to everything. And that is, I don't think, a healthy way to view things. Because when you start just only saying black people, black people, white people, white people, Asian people, Asian people, and you'll notice it's almost always white and black. It's very little in between. It, uh, the Asians get left out of the conversation. Latinos get left out of the conversation. The Islanders, the, the Middle Easterns, uh, the, the uh, Southern Europeans, all these people get completely left out. Right? It's always just white and black. And that is, by the way, a sure shot way to know the fact that there's probably a narrative going on. And, when, and narratives are different than facts, right? A narrative is trying to t spin a story and a fact or, uh, or something that's actually more concrete isn't going to be a narrative. Anyway, so many people get things wrong here. It's the, I, let's talk, I want to make sure I clarify that I believe what we're seeing in America is a problem in culture. So as we dive into this, I want you to realize that race is different than culture for one. Race is different than culture. Just because one's race tends to be part of a culture doesn't dictate whether they are part of that culture or not. I'm going to say that again. Just because one's, one's race tends to be part of a certain culture doesn't dictate whether they are part of that or not. For example, I am a middle-class white man. Now, a lot of middle-class white men have certain interests, and I don't share all those interests. I am a pastor, after all. Not a lot of people are pastors. That is a small little group of us. Now, also, my wife is from the Pacific Northwest. I'm from Central Michigan. Those are different cultures. We also met in Tennessee, very different culture than what I was used to. And if I pastored a church in the middle of the country, across the street from a cow farm, basically, and guess what? That's a different culture than where I live now, which is a downtown major city in Michigan. Those are two very different cultures and different types of people that live there and different values that are promulgated there. And cultures, so race, is could be the color of your skin, right? 
race is the color of your skin or where your, your ethnicity is from, whereas culture is your values and the things that you, you uh, collectively do together. So race is different than culture. Also, not all cultures are equal. We live in a society today of pluralism that wants to keep pushing this idea that all cultures and all people are equally valuable. Well, let me, put the, let me just say, not all cultures are equally valuable. You know, the, the culture of, say, Saudi Arabia is not nearly as good or as valuable as, say, the culture of Ireland or the culture of Japan even, okay? Because, and the thing is, is, let's say China has different, a different cultural values than America, and they don't go together well. Saudi Arabia, for example, is another one that, as mentioned before, their view of women is different. Their view of men is different. Children, sexuality, all these things are different. And those do not mix well with our culture. And just like when you get a bunch of country bumpkins around, a bunch of city folk, you might find some serious cultural differences really fast. And you will notice, as we talk about Black Lives Matter, so we're going to talk about black people, um... They a lot of times congregate in cities. There's a lot of reasons for that, depending on the area. I know here in Michigan, uh, for example, Detroit is known to be a predominantly black city and is also known to have high crime rates. But why did a bunch of black people go there? Well, that was where the auto industry was booming. There was great wages there for ne not needing degrees. And again, where they were at in their history in America, they a lot of them couldn't afford an education. So they went there to provide for their families. And unfortunately, we saw Detroit crash, and now we see what it is today. So again, not all cultures are equal. And just because someone is of a certain race does not mean they are going to be part of that culture. And, you know, and we see the fact that we have different people groups that tend to congregate in different areas. And there's a lot of reasons for that. And it always depends on the area, too. It's not one rule across the entire United States. Like, just because that's why a bunch of, you know, black people moved to Detroit does not necessarily mean that that's why a bunch of black people went to St. Louis, Missouri, right? So it, it, the, the differences are abound. Differences abound. So also I want to make notable distinctions, a notable distinction. When people are talking about the movement, they oftentimes talk about those who, are, they, who participate in it. So they'll call the, um, the protesters, and they equate the protesters with the rioters and looters. I don't think that's fair because as Christians, we know there are some hateful Christians evil Christians. I was a pastor of a Baptist church, and I got equated all the time with Westboro Baptist Church. I am nothing like Westboro Baptist Church, but because of the name or because of the group of people, I got associated with it. And that's not good. We should never, ever, ever just broad brush a certain group of people. That is how racism works, right? You broad brush an entire group of people, and that is how you get um, think people who hate one particular religion in particular over all others. Um, another thing to mention as far as religion too, for example, that another great example of race versus culture is that you know the Middle East, Islam is large. Uh, and if you criticize Islam, people will sometimes call you a racist, and you're not being racist because you're actually talking about the religion or the ideas. I hope you get the idea there. Anyway, now going back to my distinction between rioters and protesters. So, biggest thing is that I think it's beneficial to not lump all people together as one group. So, there's a difference between peaceful protesters and rioters, just like 
There's a difference between hateful Christians and loving Christians, or maybe a Democrat and the very far left, or maybe a Republican and the extreme far right, okay? We can stop broad brushing all the time. It's not usually healthy. It's good to make distinctions where they belong. So unquestionably, rioters are something that Christians should not excuse and they should not support. Uh, what was it, the very first weekend after George Floyd, I think 40, 40 black people died? in the very first weekend of them, including black sheriff, business owners, some business, black business owners lost their businesses and livelihoods. And it was horrible, it was tragic and sad. It was, so, and my thing was, of course, I think this was a question that many people asked. And I, like I said, I work in the inner city and I heard uh, there, uh, there was like, there was a, the, after that whole weekend, a bunch of black customers were walking in and I just heard them going off about how this just, this, this, enraged them that their community was being burnt down and attacked by so many. And of course, they pointed out, and I'll point out, that if black lives truly mattered to these people who were rioting and looting, then they would stop rioting and looting because it's only hurting black lives and other people who are associated with it. And basically, they need to stop being a bunch of thugs, right? If you are going to burn and loot. Now, of course, the biggest annoying thing that I'm seeing with people is that they're showing only, they're showing out of context clips of different groups in these rioters of maybe police acting poorly, but they're ignoring how many uh, videos show that the, pro, the, the looters and rioters were acting poorly, or they'll show a bunch of white people looting and they go, see, it's white people people really that it's not black people or then they'll show a bunch of black people and be like ah it's black people see black people gonna be black people it's so dumb when you're just taking clips out of context stop it okay some people react very re were reacting very poorly during that entire time and you can say on all sides but I will say if you're rioting and looting you're a major cause of what's going to be happening of all the negative things that are happening so as a Christian you cannot be okay with rioting and looting I don't think I need to clarify that but just in case Proverbs 1, 10 through 19, my son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. If they say, come with us, let us lie and wait for blood. Let us ambush the innocent without reason. Like Sheol, let us swallow them alive and whole. Like those who go down to the pit, we shall find all precious goods. We shall fill our houses with plunder. Throw in your lot among us. We will, we will all have one purse. My son, do not walk in the way with them. Hold back your foot from their paths, for their feet run to evil, and they make haste to shed blood. For in vain is a net spread in the sight of any bird. But these men lie in wait for their own blood. They set an ambush for their own lies. Such are the ways of everyone who is greedy for unjust gain. It takes away the life of his possessors. And he's basically saying here, these people are evil. They're horrendous. People who are trying to ambush people, people who are trying to uh, loot and just fill their pockets are evil. And they always lead to their own destruction. And we see that happening right now that people are destroying their own communities and they're destroying themselves. And, you know, and if really, honestly, if, if black lives didn't matter to anyone, we would just be like, hey guys, we'll just keep doing that. You know, go ahead, destroy all the community that, that's, that you're in. And that's not what people are calling for. I, we're, I, I know, I'm saying stop. <laughs> stop rioting, looting, and destroying things. That's not helpful. So that's exactly what these people are. Not, not going to sugarcoat it. Rioters and looters are evil. And you can try to make excuses. Well, you have to understand their emotional situation, how frustrated and angry they are. No. 
Just because someone's emotionally having issues does not mean they get to lash out poorly. That is literally the excuse you make for a child having a tantrum. Well, you just have to understand they're a little upset. We're not children. These are adults. And we, I expect you to be able to hold yourself to a certain amount of accountability and not burn down your entire community. I had gunshots firing one block away from my house the, that weekend. And I had a loaded gun and I was scared that there is a possibility of me having to use it. Stop it. It's not helpful. My wife is pregnant and I don't, we don't need that nonsense and neither does anyone else who's involved in this sort of thing. You know, some of these people, they want to help people uh, and you're still, these, the people who want to help you, you go destroy their community. Like, what? What are you doing? Stop it. Anyway, I don't think anyone, I really hope now no one is making, who it would call themselves a Christian, uh, making excuses for rioting and looting. Honestly, I think the rioting and looting is just an excuse. I, that's really what I think it is. I don't think it's people angry and frustrated at the system. I think it's people having an excuse to go out and do so. I, that's really my, my theory. But that's, and that's, that's the book of Will's opinions, not... Not anything in front of me. But anyway, uh, the next part is the protesters, right? So uh, so we have rioters and we have actual protesters. These are the people who just say Black Lives Matter. They might go to a rally, hold up a sign. We had one of those in our little tiny country town, which is hilarious because our country town has never had like a police brutality issue. <laughs> and yet they're over there like, Black Lives Matter. I'm like, okay, like you <laughs> in this little town where everyone gets along? Sure, okay, if that makes you feel better. Um, that's actually huge problem with what it is too. I'm not going to get into that right now, but protesters. So these people believe in standing up for the oppressed, which is good. If people are oppressed, we should stand up for them. But also uh, the Christian is obligated to speak against something if what they're speaking is a lie. So if, if people are indeed being oppressed, then it is a Christian's duty to stand up for them. But if these people, if this whole thing is based on a lie, then it is a Christian's job to expose that lie. See, and this is why is people are, uh, when I told people what I was going to do, some people are like, what, really? You guys are more of a theology channel, aren't you? Yes, but the idea is, are we exposing lies or are we exposing, are we exposing the lies of racism and are we exposing the lies of narrative? Because narratives are, are oftentimes spun and facts set aside for the narrative and racism is, a, you know, is based on a lie that one race is dumber or worse than another or one is superior over the other. So one of the biggest issues is that people support things often by popular opinion or by intimidation rather than research and fact checking. So the, the idea right now is that our society is racist against black people. Uh, we all have our own inherent biases. That's what like this idea of white privilege is, is that, you know, as a white person, you're going to inherit a certain amount of bias for you, uh, you know, for you as opposed to against you. You know, as a black person, you're going to inherit a negative bias uh, against you by society. Uh, also, very, uh, anyway, I'm not going to get to all this. So that, that's the idea. So one of the biggest issues is people support things often by popular opinion or intimidation. So I want to get into the data. and But before I do so, I want to remind you of what I said. I'm going to recite data that constantly mentions race because that's how these things are put. Uh, if you go to FBI.gov and all these different places, they break it down by race because that's how our culture sees things, is through race, which is a problem, I think. It's important to note, though, that I do not believe it's race that's causing these issues. I believe it's culture, and that geography plays in a, a large role in that. So, again, now to mention some things with culture, I think it's important to note, remember, black people 
only got the right to vote 60-ish years ago, right? So when we're talking about this, we have to understand that, like, some of my, the people I work with, their grandparents that are still alive got their right to vote during that time. They remember this. They remember their parents fighting for racial equality. They remember their grandparents fighting for racial equality. And this has been going on for years. So we have to understand the fact that that is something kind of fresh still in black culture. And I'm not saying that they don't have a right for that to be, uh, for, the, for that to be fresh. You know, that should be definitely something like, look what we achieved when we got together and fought for that which is right. Now, one of the greatest parts about America, though, is how fast America works, okay? America works and moves along quickly, very quickly. Um, also, it's worth noting that, uh, you know, there were racist police. I understand that there were some racist police, and they were busted. Like, you can find stories of these things. But again, these, this was years ago. That America back then was very different than the, the America now. Uh, I was born in the 90s, and the American back then is very different than the America now. America moves, man, and it, it, it holds no prisoners. It moves along quickly. So obviously, though, because of how fresh that is, it, it became a cultural icon, right? This idea of, of racial inequality, and because it, there was years of racial inequality. And now the only racist law we have is that of affirmative action, which actually is supposed to help black people by letting them in with like lower uh, test scores than Asians, and Asians get, just because of their Asian, get docked, and they try to balance the books that way. But that is an excruciatingly racist because, oh, you black people, you need help passing the test, so we're going to raise it. Oh, you Asians, you're just so smart, you know, uh, we're going to have to dock you a few points based on your race, you know, instead of by the work that you actually do. Anyway, and in the end, affirmative action only hurts people, doesn't help people, because uh, it might be allowing people in, bring, get, raising their scores, allowing people in who are not equipped to handle that university, while at the same time, those who are actually capable of it are docked points. It's just crazy. So um, anyway, culture is very different. Culture is something that's important. Uh, you have also, uh, if you look across all spectrums of people, spending habits are totally different, what they emphasize. Uh, different cultures uh, emphasize education, while others uh, emphasize athleticism, while others just emphasize having a family. Uh, that, so we have to understand that each culture is different. If you study anthropology and what anthropologists say about the different demographics in America, you will see that these things are very different on what is emphasized. And here's the thing, and I think that is a major part of the depravity we're seeing, is that fact that some cultures are more effective than others and what's emphasized by families. And we're going to talk exactly how we can know some of these things. So anyway, let's get into some of the data. I don't want to, like I said, I just want to make sure I push the fact that I believe culture and geography are a huge part, portion of this, but unfortunately, all the data comes in as white and black. But I do want to remind us, remember, we are saying that America is predominantly racist and blacks are hunting, and police are hunting blacks in the street. Now, by the way, some people get, uh, I've had some people say that I shouldn't say blacks as opposed to African Americans, and I actually think that's dumb. So I'm going to say black because most black people in America have never been to Africa. Literally had, a, had my friend say that today. He was like, I've never even been to Africa. Stop calling me African-American. I'm like, mm, makes sense to me. I'm not called European-American. I am a white dude. It's okay. Anyway, so in case you're wondering why I say it that way, I just don't find, I find, I find that another way to divide people up, right? Well, you're, okay, well, Asian, 
We have Asians, we have Latinos, then we have white people, then we have African Americans. So we're like, we're making sure that they are so separate that we associate them with their continent. And it's like, I, I just don't think that's helpful. Um, I think that's another way to divide people up in ways that is not beneficial to society. But anyway, that's a tangent that you did not come here for. Uh, so studies have shown that cops are actually more hesitant to shoot at, with black suspects than white suspects. They, put, they did a whole study where they put different people in different situations where uh, there was a hostage and different people of different colors, and they showed that the police were always more hesitant to, to declare to shoot when it's a black person. And that is because you can't blame them. We are seeing the fact that whenever it's a white person shooting a black person, it's a, racism is the first thing that they're accused with. So next thing you know, this officer's life might become hell and because they're accused of race, racism. And we're seeing that all the time. No matter how justified the shooting was, he's a racist all the time. That's what you're seeing all the time. So studies have shown that cops are actually more hesitant to shoot black, people, black suspects than white suspects. And, that, and of course, you might point out that more than twice the amount of white people are killed by police every year. And you might go, well, of course, because the only 13% of the population is black and 62% of it is white. So of course, white people will be shot more. But the thing is, we need to uh, remember the fact that one, it's not about how much of the population you make up, but how much of the, of the crime that you make up, right? So, because you can have, uh, if, yeah, if 62% of white people make up America and 61% never committed crime, then you'd only have that one other percent of white people who are doing it. Um, and that would be that 1% that is important to talk about when we're talking about crime statistics, all right? Just like if all 13% of the black population never committed any crime, you would have a, a giant group of people that you wouldn't even have to talk about as far as crime is concerned. But anyway, uh, and it's also important to note that if we're saying that police are, are hunting black people down in the streets and are so quick to kill them, uh, you need to remember that the Washington Post reported only nine unarmed black men originally, and now they're up to 15 unarmed black men were killed by police last year. Now, I agree, one killing is always tragic. One killing is, is too many, if it's, uh, especially if it's unjustified. But also, the context in which those shootings take place is important as well. For example, you know, you don't know if that guy was attacking the officer, went to tackle him, reached over and was fighting him in his car, grabbed, tried to grab his gun, and then the officer was forced to shoot him. <laughs> Michael Brown. Um, you know, you don't know the context. Was it a justified shooting or not? Okay, so if you have 15 men and even half of them were justified, then that's half of the 15. Again, even if it was all 15 were, were unjustified, even though those are all horrible and unfortunate, it's hardly a systemic issue that police are hunting people down in the streets. Okay? Hillsdale College also reported that 50% of fatal shootings were white and 26% of fatal shootings were black. So you'll notice that these shootings uh, were actually, you'll notice that the blacks are, are quite high and the whites are, are high, but the black one is pretty high up there for only being 13% of the population. The Bureau of Justice reported that 62% of the sh of shootings and 45% of assaults were actually from black people. 
Uh, and McDonald said uh, that such a concentration of criminal violence in minority communities means that officers will be disproportionately confronting armed and often resisting suspects, raising officers' own risk of lethal force. I want to make sure I point this out. If your, if your community is committing 62% of shootings and 45% of uh, assaults, I've also seen 42 or 44% of assaults. I've seen that fluctuate a little bit. But it, then if one area is committing more crimes than others, guess what's going to happen? The law enforcement is going to be there more, which means that that area is going to get policed more. Because again, if you don't want to confront police officers, don't commit crime and do everything you can to avoid police officers. This is common sense, right? Just like if I don't want to see the principal at my school, I better behave myself. So that way I don't have to confront my principal. Also, 54% of the murder is also, down, uh, is also from black communities. 54% of the murder. Now, again, I've seen that at 52, 53, and 54%. But again, it's right around that over half of murder, of the murders done in America is because of actually black young males. And as oftentimes against other black males. Well, we're going to talk about that here in a minute. So again, it doesn't matter how much of the population you make up. It matters uh, the amount of violent crime someone makes up, you know, as far as like their people groups. So according to the 2015 report of the Department of Justice, Philadelphia Police Department determined that black cops were actually 3.3 times more likely to fire their guns than other cops, which, you know, again, shows probably the fact that they're less hesitant because they don't want to be, they're not less concerned about maybe being accused of racism. I don't know. These, this is just data. Numbers don't lie. They're, we can infer reasons, I guess, all day long. But blacks are actually more likely also to become police officers as well. That's actually what's kind of funny. Uh, black young men are more likely to become police officers than a lot of other people groups, which is funny because aren't we, isn't the whole narrative that black, that, uh, that cops are bad. And meanwhile, we have a bunch of young black men who go be, to be police officers. You know why? Because in, uh, black people tend to congregate in inner cities. Inner cities have a different culture and inner cities have a much higher crime rate. And so when you are in a, being raised in a community with a high crime rate, you most likely are going to be getting to the point where you want to help your community at some point control that crime rate. And the best way to do that is to go into law enforcement. Uh, we just had a shooting last week. A 16-year-old was shot right uh, down the road from my house. And this morning, another person was shot. Just somebody drove up to him and wasted him right then and there. And we, I have a large black community around me. And it's important to point out the fact that that's probably why some of these people become police officers more likely than others. Anyway, also blacks are more likely to kill cops than be killed by cops. I'm going to repeat that. Blacks are actually more likely to kill cops than be killed by cops. According to FBI data, 40% of cop killers were actually black. And according to Hillsdale College, if an officer is dealing with a black suspect, he is actually 18.5% more likely to be killed by the black than the black by the officer. So in other words, that when they are encountering black people, 
there's a much higher rate, uh, a possibility of violence. Now, I think there's a few reasons for this. One, I think it's because, well, obviously the idea of always pushing the fact that the police are, are brutally racist, so um, people are probably a bit more twitchy when an, uh, an officer comes up to them. But I also think it's because in the inner cities, we are okay more and more with this inner city culture. And again, the idea of pluralism, that everyone's culture and values are equal when they're not, so we allow that to promulgate, it's only causing more problems. And also I could get into, you know, uh, Section 8 housing, we could talk about how the welfare states and everything in the inner cities and how these things have actually, over time, what was originally supposed to help people actually hurt people in the long run. Uh, there's a lot of study and talk about that. I'm not going to get into that. I'm only trying to talk, focus on crime is my, is my focus. So because of all this, police have become more reluctant to actually police the 50 biggest cities. And we now have seen a 17% spike in these cities with murder. So the top 50 biggest cities in America are actually, police are less likely to start policing them. So now we are seeing a 17% spike. And you can say correlation doesn't equal causation, but again, police are always implemented in situations to bring down crime. Now, are police perfect? Heck no. But also to sit there and say that they're all evil, they're all bad, they're all is ridiculous. And in fact, there's only probably a few bad apples, just like you wouldn't want um, somebody just paint the white community or black community or Asian community or all lawyers or all teachers one, one color, then all also, do not paint police officers the same way with one gigantic broad brush. It's kind of ridiculous. Do not let the minute, small group of people dictate the large one, right? So don't let the, the actions of a few justify your punishment to the majority. It just doesn't work. So anyway, black on black crimes also. A young black man is more likely to die by another young black man than a police officer. If you look at black on black crime statistics, they are through the roof. A lot of times it's gang and drug related. And then I think one of the biggest contributing factors to our inner city issues is fatherless rates. Fatherlessness is huge in the inner cities and especially in the black communities. In fact, the fatherlessness rates are going up in all communities right now, but it's astronomically high in the black community. In the 1960s, 20% in, in the black community were raised without a father. And now we, oh, it's upwards of 70 to 78%. I'm hearing a fluctuation in there. So upwards of 70% in the black community. Studies have also shown that fatherlessness is a direct causation to violent crime. Now it's not the whole oh, uh, co-relation doesn't equal causation. No, this fatherlessness is actually, has been proven to be a direct causation oftentimes to violent crime because the father tends to be the disciplinarian or might tend to be a, someone who brings order and structure to the home differently than the mother. And again, watch our complementarianism video for a fuller breakdown of that. But the, the point is that men and women are different, equal in value, different in role. And if you're removing one role entirely from the household, you're, you're removing 50% of what makes building a person, raising a child so powerful. That's why I always feel for single parent households, especially when when uh, the spouse left them or someone cheated on them or they, they died tragically, things like that. So 
as I mentioned, all ethnic groups are actually going up in fatherlessness rates, but black, the black community is the highest. But that's not to say that no other group is going to get there. And we're all working our way there because we're, we're hitting, you know, we're trying to normalize sex outside of marriage as much as possible. And now here we are. And now again, just because uh, ethnic Again, just so to make sure that you're not hearing the fact that, oh, black people bad, black people bad. No, I'm just, these are statistics that you can find on any government website. Uh, anyway, and to think about, again, different types of people and different cultures seem to make different things happen. For example, uh, mass shooters. People talk about mass shootings all the time, right? And that's when all the gun control uh, conversation comes out. Even among mass shooters, we, they guess what? Not only are they predominantly white, but they tend to have no fathers. Almost all of them didn't have a dad. So almost like violent crime and no fathers tends to cause things. So and we're not even talking about drug use at this point. Repeat criminals like George Floyd had been in prison, what, nine times uh, and was clean only a couple years. But when they found him, he was high on, he was high on uh, fentanyl. So again, it's not quite working out the way people wanted it to, I don't think, when, when you really dig into the narrative. And also, people talk, well, okay, yeah, but they have a history of slavery, right? Like, so black people were enslaved longer than, you know, for 400 years they went through all this, and, you know, that's, that's what, where a lot of this stems from. Well, the problem is that there was also a white slave trade, too, that people just don't talk about. You don't hear about this in your history books, but there's so much information on it. There was a slave trade has, was not unique, right, to black, to only Amer Africa and, and to America. Slave trade has existed and still exists in many countries today. But white slave trade was a thing too. For example, 10,000 a year during the same time as the black and, you know, the black slave trade going on over here, 10,000 a year during that same time were being kidnapped from Europe, from the coasts of Europe, to different places like in, you know, in the Middle East and whatnot, various different labor, slavery, uh, sexual slavery, things along that nature. And that's actually where the term kidnapping came from, was these slavers would oftentimes target women and children. So they'd go up there uh, in Europe and kidnap them and then sell them off. So again, it's not just a white and black issue. When you're making it white and black, it is, you're literally keeping the problems at skin deep level. And you're actually not helping the situation, but you're gonna make it worse. Which we're seeing that it's gotten worse. Have you noticed that the fact that all this stuff going on has only made our society worse is probably because we're feeding the wrong animal, right? If you keep telling people that it's because of racism, 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 and it's not because of cultural issues that we need to start fixing, we run into what we have now. So uh, another thing that people don't, you know, I think that can contribute to some of the stuff is black kids are actually more likely to experience sexual abuse than uh, other people groups as well. So you can really see that black, the black community struggles in America. And it's not because they're being hunted in the streets. And it's not because all white people hate them. And in fact, what black on black crime sh uh, exposes that, and the fact that blacks are more, black people are more likely to sexually abuse a child as well in, in their communities. But then it shows the fact that these there's wonderful innocent people in there who are being impacted by these things. And the fact that they don't a lot of them don't have fathers. Over 70% of them don't have a father in their life. 
This exposes the fact that there is a cultural issue in our inner cities. And again, I'm saying inner cities uh, as well to emphasize the fact that geography and culture have to do this, because guess what? If you take, and of course, a large majority of these cities uh, have black people in them. Uh, but if you take black people who are not in these inner cities, who are not part of that inner city culture, you find that all those numbers I just read off to you they don't stagnate. They collapse. They they go down. Same with all the other people groups. It's a largely a geographical cultural issue more than it is a race issue, and that is a huge. And that right there is a huge issue, problem, right? That's a huge problem, and we're not even focusing on that. We're not focusing on the issues of of inner city culture of how it how it promulgates. I mean, for crying out loud, look at the number one song right as of right now is WAP by Cardi B, and it's obviously promulgated largely in places like the inner city. And when you have things like that, and you're, you glorify sexuality, you glorify, I mean, literally the very first words of the songs is, what is it, like, we have some hoes in this house? Or something like that? Like, you emphasize, you know, baby mamas, baby daddies, uh, hey, you step up to me, I'm gonna mess you up, oh, um, you know, and you emphasize these things, it's not beneficial. And it actually is detrimental to your, to your uh, community and society at large. So this tells a narrative, a certain story, that we have a cultural sickness in our inner cities, which sadly are predominantly black. Because across all ethnicities, the closer you are to inner cities, the more we see similar spikes. So the closer you are to inner cities, the more we see these crime rates spike and these fatherlessness rates spike, and all these issues spike, and unfortunately, a vast majority of inner cities are actually just where black people have tended to congregate. So again, when you look at the data, it doesn't show that black people are being hunted. It doesn't show that people are predominantly racist. In fact, with how many people are standing up saying Black Lives Matter and that stuff is just the t-shirts the and the flags and the yard posts and the amount of stuff on your social media from all these people, I can tell you that there's a large majority of people that are actually not racist. So again, Saying it's this, this uh, societal issue, that it's this uh, thing that's seeped into our culture, I think is that, that, and we're all inherently biased against black people or whatever, I think is, no, I don't think, it, the data shows that it is wrong and that it's not what is being reflected. And let me emphasize as well, none of this data justifies terrible injustices. None of this data justifies terrible injustices, but it does expose that the narrative that we are being told today is an accurate one. When people have to ignore facts and focus on the exceptions and apply it to the whole, that is when we need to start watching out. When people are focusing on the exception and not the rule. You know, uh, you know they'll, that's always the thing, right? You mention, hey, these things don't happen regularly. And then someone goes, oh, Breonna Taylor. And you go, okay, yeah, that's a tragedy, but the fact that you know all their names exposes the fact that it's not an everyday issue. Because if it was an everyday constant problem, we wouldn't know all the names. You know, Michael Brown, we wouldn't know Breonna Taylor, we wouldn't know George Floyd, we wouldn't know uh, Jacob Blake. We wouldn't know these people by name. But yet we do, and then their story is just, it's just stirred in our, in our society until it's played dead, right? We know these people's names for a reason. And it's because there's a narrative that has to be spun. The majority, and here's the thing, we need to remember that the majority should never be punished for the deeds of a few. The majority should never be 
punished for the deeds of the few. That's what we call injustice. So making the innocent suffer for the guilty is never a good thing. And that is what we're seeing now. You know, all society has to suffer because of the deeds of a few bad situations. And we're not even talking about, I could get into each one of those situations and expose how most of these situations that are being labeled as injustices are far more complicated than they want to admit. But of course, all they see is white man kill black man, therefore racism. And they don't care about context. They don't care about what led up to the events. And it's a real problem. So in, in short, today's, today's facts are traded for narratives. And a lot of people have pointed this out, that that's part of the major attributes of the modern age, of postmodernism, is that facts are traded for narratives. So looking at it as race is not the right way to look at it, OK? Just in general, it's not the right way to look at it. Our culture is obsessed with race, and it's killing us. The more you obsess with race, the more it will kill you. Our world has a deep cultural issue and black lives matter enough for us to actually focus on the issue that is killing people, killing blacks by the thousands every year, which is this inner city culture that is promulgated and it is considered okay. It's not the police and it's not white people. It is this inner city culture that is killing people. And we have got to we have got to get rid of it. Black lives matter. And that is why we have to be against abortion because abortion kills more black babies than any other people group. That violent crime affects black people more than any other people group. Sexual abuse impacts black people more than any other people group. And that is not because of, i.e. racism. It is because of a major cultural problem where we have put values aside that are actually good and valuable and, ha and godly, godly values, right? Biblical values. We have set those aside and we have promoted thug culture. And then we've also said that, you know, whenever these situations happen, for example, when a criminal is killed in action, we suddenly prop them up as some sort of martyr and societal hero. And it's not helpful for people. And it only, it only emphasizes the issue. It's going to keep bringing the issue back because we're not fixing the root of it. We're, we're shifting the goalposts to racism when really it's culture and values. And the only way people are going to fix that is if they understand the values that God has instilled on every single person. But anyway. Um, Anyway, so there are always exceptions, obviously. So of course there's going to be exceptions. What about this? Well, what about that? There's always exceptions. Stats are just that. Stats, statistics, likelihoods. And you know, they're, they're likelihoods, they're uh, generalizations, but they don't, they're not always, you know, again, if it's 86% uh, is one thing, then there's still that 14% when it's not. Just saying that usually you can look at it and go, ah, it's not as bad as I thought. It's not this big issue that they're pushing. So we all, but we also have to remember that numbers aren't racist. Okay, these are just plain statistics. Now you could say, well, black people are more likely to be incarcerated for longer periods of time. Well, that's oftentimes because of the war on drugs in those particular areas, if you look it up, and, or maybe repeat offenses. But I would agree the fact that we should have even keel punishments for all people across the board, but it's not racist in intent. It is actually just mostly geographical, whether or not that particular area is cracking down on drug crime or other crimes than others. So anyway, um, 
Numbers aren't races, but like science, it can only tell us matter. It can't tell us what matters. So I'm going to say that again. Numbers aren't racist, but like science, it can only tell us matter. It can't tell us what matters. It can only give us a rough idea, but it cannot tell us what matters. Now, to avoid being considered uh, not uh, showing this, but let's do this. Let's do this. Again, we're going to go through the top dangerous, top five most dangerous cities in 2018. And I'm going to mention the, the ethnicity uh, representation of blacks in those cities. Now keep in mind, before we do this, that this is cities, the gigantic cities, which is inner city culture. So again, we're dealing with inner city culture, but you'll notice something here that, so for example, Baton Rouge, Louisiana state capital is the nation's fifth deadliest city in 2018, it saw 35.1 homicide deaths per 100,000 residents, in, in which is actually 10 places higher than Chicago's murder rate. Yeah, because everyone always talks about Chicago's murder rate, and here Baton Rouge is higher. Uh, and guess what? Uh, the black community makes up 54.97% of that. New Orleans, Louisiana is the only state to have two cities in the top five deadliest U.S. cities. New Orleans saw a murder rate of 37.1 per 100,000. And blacks make up 59.74%. Detroit, everyone knows Detroit, uh, in 2018 saw 38.9% uh, a 38.9 murders per 100,000 people. The numbers of murders was down actually by 261 over 267 the previous year. So it was actually down six murders, and they're still that high. Uh, however, the city in 2008, uh, in this, the city saw 2008 violent crimes, which includes rape, murder, assault, and robbery, per 100,000 people, giving it the highest violent crime rate among cities with a population greater than 100,000. Detroit is majorly violent. And unfortunately, demographics there, the, the black makes up 78.6%. Baltimore saw 51 homicides per 100,000 people in 2018, more than five times the national average. For a grand total of 309 homicide victims. For perspective, that's 220 more than were murdered in New York City the same year, despite having less than 10% of New York City's population. That is so high. And the demographic there is 63.7% black. St. Louis, Louis uh, earned the title of deadliest city in America with a murder rate of 60.9 per 100,000 in 2018. And in that year, 186 slaughtered in the city of a population of about 318,000. And the demographics there are actually pretty close. So instead of being a vast, a pretty large majority of, of black, this one is actually a split where black is 49.2% and white is 43.2%. So they're actually pretty close. But then there's other cities that have extremely high uh, murder rates as well, like Anchorage, right? Anchorage, Alaska, which is weird that because you think Alaska, right, is nothing but a bunch of open wilderness. There's no way that they, uh, they have violent crimes. Those are people that want peace and quiet, but actually they have a huge violent crime rate. And guess what? In Anchorage, 63.8% is white and only 6% is black. So again, we're talking about an inner city issue. 
So, and the thing is, if I wanted to, and this is the issue, this, this, these are the arguments that white supremacists will use, is that there's a reason why I didn't go through every demographic, and that was because I just want to expose the fact of what people will say. People will look, oh, yep, see these top dangerous cities, look at that, it's all black people, a bunch of black people, a bunch of black people, and they'll go through it all, see, a bunch of black people, I guess black people must be the problem. But that's not it. Uh, and Anchorage and other places show a large majority white people. It's inner city culture. Inner city culture is a real problem. And unfortunately, the vast majority of inner cities deal, have a lot of like different uh, minority groups in them, especially Latino and black. And if you check out this map here, you'll notice the geography here reflects everything I just said. These are just mapped out shootings. These are where shootings took place in 2018. And you can go ahead and always look at those. And it's actually really interesting when you look at crime rates across the city and then, I mean, across the nation, and then you look at these crime statistics and then do yourself a favor and study anthropology and cultural values of the different people groups that live in America and around the world. And you will find that this is really where the issue lies the most is cultural values. It is not a race issue. It is not a race issue. And guys, I'm telling you right now, the idea of black people being marginalized and assaulted by and hated by all of society is the vast majority a lie. And the numbers here reflect that. Now, I'm not saying racists don't exist. Of course, racists exist. I know racists. I have actually experienced racism uh, toward myself as a white person, too, which is funny. Um, so, because again, people say that, oh, you can't experience racism when I've literally been told many things because I'm white. And one of the biggest issues here in general, guys, is the fact that we all get caught up in things. And I think we, some people get really too upset. But anyway, real quick. So we need to understand that we need to live peaceably with one another. And this is one of those things that I really want to emphasize. All this stems from violence. Whether you think it's from society at large, whether you think it's from the police, whether you think it's from inner city cultures like me, I think inner city cultures are the problem, whatever. And I think fatherlessness rates is a big contributor to that. Whatever you think. We're supposed to live peaceably, and all this would be fixed if people would hold on to the values of God, which Romans 12, 16 through 21 says this, live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all, if possible, so far as it depends on you. Live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, by, for by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. The best revenge is forgiveness and love. And that is one of the biggest issues here, guys, is the fact that everyone wants to fight and everyone, and all, so all these issues would just resolve themselves if people had this mentality to live in peaceably with all men, to love their enemies, to not be trying to always get revenge or find an excuse to lash out at each other. People want you to be afraid. And that's what this comes down to. This comes to a, an idea of controlling people by fear. They want people to be controlled by fear so that way they can control people how they behave.
who they vote for, who's in power, all these different things. People want you to be afraid and are trying to control people with that fear, and it only causes more pain and violence when you buy into it. If you buy into this fact that, oh man, society is racist, uh, the cops hate me and all this stuff, as a black, as a black person, guys, it, for, statistically speaking, it's not true, and you're, you're, you're being played. You're being played. And instead of getting angry at, at me saying that, who are you as a white man to say that? <laughs> you know, I've had that before. And which is equally, by the way, racist to disqualify someone's opinion because of the color of their skin. That makes zero sense. But anyway, people want you to be afraid. And if that makes you angry, why? For me to say that. It shouldn't. You know, it causes more pain to believe the fact that society is so racist when the data doesn't show it. And don't let yourself be controlled by it. And look into it. Look into the studies yourself. They're all there. It's actually really easy to find this stuff. They're not even trying to hide it, okay? It shouldn't surprise us that if so something that started on a lie continues to promote and push a lie. And honestly, I don't know why people would want to believe this lie. I do not understand why anyone would want to believe that everyone hates them so much and would be so offended by someone saying, I don't think that's true. In fact, you should be comforted and go, oh man, I really hope it's not true. How is it not true? Can you show me? <laughs> because I'd like for it to not be true. This is why for the truly racist people to divide, this is, this is a way, I should say, this is a way for the truly racist people to divide people further on race, which is to promulgate this lie. And that's all this comes down to, is trying to divide people by their race even further. See, black people, you're attacked even more. Oh, look at this, it's horrible, you know? And it, what it does, it just, it, it just, it keeps separating us people, us image bearers of God from one another, because we're it's constantly making everyone fearful and suspicious that the person sitting across from, uh, from them might be a racist, might secretly hate them because of the color of their skin, or if nothing else, has an unknown bias against them is causing more problems than helping. This is a way for the truly racist people to divide people over a lie, to promulgate a lie. And in fact, Joseph Goebbels said, or is it Goebbels, whatever, Jobbles? Joseph, G, uh, said, if you tell a lie big enough and keep repeating it, people will eventually come to believe it. And that's what's happened. We've told this lie often enough that people are believing it. So now the question comes into how to fix it. First and foremost, Put God first. What does the Bible say? Okay, well, as soon as we start recognizing each other as image bearers of God, created by him, molded as, you know, he is the potter and we are the clay, and we're all in this together, as soon as we start realizing that we're all created the image of God, and then we start surrendering to his morality, we might actually see a big shift in our culture. So first, surrendering things to God. That is how we fix it. Surrender things to God, it all starts with it starts it that way. And instead of seeing things maybe as race and stuff, you'll see things as I see them, uh, hopefully, which is values. Which values is going into, what do I value? Righteousness or unrighteousness? Sin or that which is good? Uh, you know, these things are good. Uh, and, and that's why, why I say culture and values is the most important, because if we're emphasizing values, then we don't even end up in racism. And then we get to condemn bad actions. But anyway, the next thing to do is stop glorifying criminals. Proverbs 1 made very clear. Don't go with these people who do this, who act this way. Stop glorifying criminals and making them martyrs. And stop treating them like they're martyrs. This is unbiblical and it's unchristian. If you want to fix it, we got to stop saying that criminals are good people.
you know, and they can become good people. And I'm not saying repentance isn't possible, but we got to stop saying that their behavior is okay and validating their behavior through protest, okay? Also, two, I can't emphasize this one enough, stop always looking at race. That's probably the least contributing factor to everything that's happening now is the color of your skin. That has very little to do with everything. Stop always looking at race. If the first thing you see is a violence, when, in a violent situation is you go, that color, that color, you're the racist. Instead of going, whoa, what were the events that happened? I don't care if, um, you know, if, I, if I watch a, a black man defend himself against a white man and the white man assaulted him first, the black man has every right to kick his butt. Okay, because he was attacked by the white man. But the first, if I, the first thing I say, look at it, go white, black. Okay, you were keeping it skin deep. I want to know what led up to it. I want to know why that that situation even happened in the first place, and then you can judge it by the actions and the deeds and the values and the morals that took place, rather than skin color this, skin color that. So uh, next is do not buy into ethnic Gnosticism. And this entire time, obviously, I'm a white man. I'm not expecting you not to notice that I'm a white man. I am a white guy. I am pasty. I have blue eyes. I am actually German. So I'm about as, I'm pretty Aryan, okay? My wife is Korean. Um, and I've been told by people, I can't talk about this. I can't have an opinion on this because I'm white. Well, that's ethnic Gnosticism. Or that was racist, Will, because you're white, or I, me as a black person can say this, but you can't. Ethnic Gnosticism is a real problem. Vodi Bakum was the one who, who coined the phrase, and it's basically saying that I, as a white man, can tell you what's racist against white people, but you, as maybe a Latino person, cannot say what's racist against white people. You can't have an opinion on racism against white people. Only I can have an opinion on what's racist against white people. Basically saying that your race is the number one contributing factor on whether or not you are the arbiter of truth in the situation. And that is not okay. Again, that is equally racist. Your race, if race really has nothing to do with anything, if we truly believe that, then me being white or you being black or you know yellow or red or green or blue or whatever it is, if you're green or blue, you probably have a health issue, go get yourself checked out. But if you believe that you know, your race means that you can or cannot comment on something, that is racist. And if race truly doesn't matter, then stop promulgating it. And then also, unlike the Black Lives Matter institution, encourage the nuclear family. Encourage fathers to stay with mothers. Encourage two-parent households to raise children. Do not say, oh, it's okay to have all the sex you want and just have as many children out. You know, it's your body, your choice. It don't matter. Guess what? It does matter because it will, in the long run, impact your children and your community. So encourage biblical ways of doing things and encourage the nuclear family, and especially men. Fatherlessness is going up. Men be men. If you can do the deed, you can raise the child, okay? If you're involved in it, you better stay involved in it, okay? It's not something that you can literally hit and run, and that's a big issue with men in general. They just want to have all the fun, but, and they want to have all the play, but none of the work. Stop running, and women, stop being so quick to just be with any man who, you know, who gives you attention. Be careful 
out there. There are some crappy people and they might seem good at first and they'll be crappy later. So guys, two-parent households, we need to encourage them. A biblical marriage as well. Watch my episode on complementarianism to get a better idea of what that is. And then, this is just simple and I, I, this should be obvious. Don't encourage trash behavior. Don't encourage trash music, trash movies, trash media, and trash ideas that end up leading people to broken homes and by extension, broken communities. Inner city culture is a big problem with all of those, it, you know, trash music, trash movies. And like, you know, they, there is, uh, I saw a kid just the other day that came in and was dancing in a way that a child shouldn't know how to dance and it kind of disturbed me. Um, and guys, this happens all the time. And we got to stop encouraging bad behavior. Stop encouraging the things that we aren't know are destructive to our inner city, to our inner city communities and all communities by extension. We need to push good values. And that is where, you know, conservatives might get lit, you know, people get very frustrated with them. But guys, guess what? I look and it's like, yeah, but you know what? The communities I know that are surrendered to God, surrendered to church, they don't have half, they don't have half these problems because they are following after something greater than them. And they're not trying to always attribute something to race. So anyway, um, I hope this was helpful. So in, in the end, the movement. Should Christians support the movement? Based on the data I'm seeing and based on the behavior of those who are participating in the movement, generally speaking, no. You should not. And it's mainly because it's based on a lie. And the, it is not reflected statistically. It is not reflected by any sense of the word. And you cannot use the exceptions to apply to the majority. You just can't. And so Christians, instead of, you know, helping promulgate a lie and giving people a comforting lie rather than the uncomfortable truth, start learning to speak the truth and speak up for the truth. And you know what? Maybe, just maybe, you might get someone to calm down a little bit. Uh, I work with a young man, a good friend of mine, and... Uh, this person, he came in and was a little, little anxious because there was like three of those shootings that we were shown that morning um, of various different situations. And this person was fearful. It's like, I don't know, man. It's like, it's, it's scary that this is America. And I was like, well, did you know this about the situation? Well, no. What about this? No. Did you know this and this and this? No, I didn't know those things. Oh, I'm like, yeah, that changes it a little bit, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. And then, did you know statistically this? No, I didn't. And we talked about it. He goes, wow, how can I feel like I'm just always lied to then by his people? He's like, because, and I'm like, well, have you felt pushed, uh, held back because of your race? And he's like, no. I'm like, right, because you're one of the hardest working people we have here. And, you know, you're good. You come from a two-parent household even, so you have your father and your mother both in your life. And, you know, you make good decisions, so don't worry about it. And you know what? He was actually comforted afterwards. And it's almost like Christians are told that to be compassionate, they shouldn't say anything about it. And I think it's the opposite. I think to be compassionate, we should say something about it. And maybe, just maybe, we might be able to change a mind and bring some peace to someone's heart. Because I can imagine if I was being told that I was being hunted down. In fact, I saw recently that there were some people who posted that they're going to start assassinating white families. And I was like, oh my word, that's horrifying. And then with these shootings that have happened around me recently, I was even like, ugh. But I had to remember, most of them are gang and drug related. So that brought me some comfort. Doesn't mean I don't have a gun in my house. Because I got a few, just in case. But <laughs> anyway, um, I hope this video was helpful for somebody. And I hope I was able to be clear, clear in my thoughts here. Um, black lives matter. They really do. And...
which means we need to be focusing on the right things. You know, we need to be focusing on how we can help our fellow man. And one way of doing that is not focusing on a lie, not fo following a false narrative, but instead following the things that are actually causing pain and hurt, and then shine a light on that and come up with solutions to those things. So anyway, guys, hope you like this video. Um, if you haven't already, like and sub to the channel. Do you agree with me? Do you not agree with me? Uh, how much do you hate me for, for doing this series? I don't know. Um, and it's okay to disagree with people from time to time. So, and I know that's what this channel does. There's a lot of against the grain on this channel. Uh, but, you know, I don't do it just to be disagreeable for the sake of being disagreeable. I really do try to do the research and put my thoughts out there honestly. So we can have honest dialogue without all the vitriol. And oddly enough, um, I've actually had a lot of respectful discussion about this very topic. But uh, anyhow, hope this helps. Uh, like, sub, uh, maybe join Patreon if you haven't already. And my name is Will, and this has been The Church Split.